In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. My Lord and my God, I firmly believe that you are here. <coughs> that you see me, that you hear me. I adore you with profound reverence. I ask your pardon for my sins. And the grace to make this time of prayer fruitful. My Immaculate Mother, St. Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, intercede for me. Let us begin our prayer this morning, going to the Holy Gospel, and uh, considering a passage, uh, a comment of our Lord from chapter 18 of St. Luke, in which he, he gives us an account, uh, a story about two men, a Pharisee, well-respected and uh, custodian of the law, reader of the scriptures, in a kind of small little group of prestigious men a Pharisee and a publican, a man, also a Jew, collaborating with the Roman authorities to extract taxes from the people of God. And many of these tax collectors had the reputation of skimming off part of their collections for themselves, keeping part for themselves and being rather corrupt upon doing so. So they were despised. One, the Pharisee, had a fearful respect from the people. The publican had a disdain. Nobody liked him. And uh, St. Saint, Saint Luke introduces this account that we are familiar with by describing it as a parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and despised others. Two men went up into the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus within himself, God, I thank you that I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. Perhaps he turned away and looked over his shoulder and looked down at the tax collector as he was thinking these things in himself. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I get. But the tax collector stood standing far off, would not even lift up his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but he who humbles himself will be exalted. Well, it's a parable that we want to learn from, and in particular, by the way the Lord recounts it, we see this rather unpleasant figure of the Pharisee who exalts himself. The way he talks, the way he thinks about himself, 
suggesting that he was he was imbued with the vice of egotism or he was egotistical and uh, it's clear that nobody likes being tagged with that attribution uh, certainly being egotistical has bad press for everybody but it still has quite a few followers and nobody wants to be selfish nobody wants to be egotistical but many practice this vice with a little bit too much enthusiasm and we know that arrogance self-centeredness self-exaltation are un unbecoming of all ages and they are certainly unbecoming of the sons and daughters of God in Opus Dei. And that's why we want to take this time of prayer to examine to what extent am I like the Pharisee? To what extent do I even have even a, a whiff of egotism or pride or selfishness in me? And uh, though we are not always sure we can intuit its presence when it is near us and we always must steer clear of it all our life and uh, because <coughs> egotism has a lot in common with parasites when it settles in the soul like parasites there's no medication that can definitively expel it you look at somebody with lice, uh, it takes a long time before you expel all that lice on their head. And uh, it seems like parasites, they come back again and again and again. And it reproduces itself in our life. It can reappear in the worst times. <coughs> and uh, it, it takes us a while to realize the immense damage that egotism can 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 do in our soul, can ravage a soul. So right now, we, we just say, Lord, I don't want it. I don't want it. But we have to, at the same time, be ready to take the means to remove it, to remove this parasite. Because it stays in our soul, in, installed like a, like a cursed virus, and it can affect the whole soul, it can affect our reactions, it can affect the way we speak, the way we think, the way we do things, the way we work. And it can end up destroying friendships. It can poison the way of thinking, the way of seeing things, our joys, our most noble feelings, and even the most noble principles that we stand on like fidelity and trust it all gets withered away by egotism and pride it's not that we we don't have friendships it's not that we don't have joy but joy is fragile under the aegis of egotism and it certainly can destroy us like like an explosive will destroy any possibility of any deep relationship with God. We ask yourself, why am I having trouble praying? You know, deep down, it has something to do with that virus of, of egotism or pride. Mm -hmm. Because pride makes us complicated 
and it really does inhibit the growth and development of cheerfulness and also active charity with others. Like always when you go to the root of things, you have to look what, what is the root of, of let's say, an act, a lack of charity, you know, of being mean to somebody. Ultimately at the root, it's, it's always pride somewhere. And in these last days we saw at Christmas how Jesus was humble and was born in a poor stall for animals. And it's just by virtue of the fact that he was born like that, that he's as though he was saying to us that his redemptive power does not come from wealth or, or somehow from being more powerful, being better or, or stronger, but just through his humility. Of course, the opposite of pride and egotism. And uh, our father said it quite beautifully in uh, one of the homilies in Christ is Passing By. He said how some people have problems because of pride or egotism. And he, he wanted us too to be aware, he said, of this radioactive poison. He said, it, it can sometimes happen that even well-intentioned people create personal problems, really <coughs> serious worries, which have no objective basis whatsoever. So they turn around their head, they go around in circles, they, oh. but they, he says, they have no objective basis whatsoever. These problems, he says, arise in persons whose lack of self-knowledge leads to pride and a desire to be the center of attention, to be favored by everyone. They want to appear always in a good light, to be personally secure. They are not content with simply, simply to do good and disappear. Not content with that. And so many who could enjoy wonderful peace of soul and great happiness become through pride and presumption unhappy and unfruitful. Imagine that. You become unhappy and unfruitful. <laughs> you know, maybe, okay, you can be unhappy, but at least you're, you're bearing some fruit, you know. But No, unhappy and unfruitful. That's why we have to meditate on it to see where it appears in our life where that lack of willingness to disappear, or just to do good and disappear, appears, where, where, where it happens. And, of course, when we think of it from the outside, we, we, let's say, when we see selfishness, pride, egotism, from the outside, it's obviously pretty pathetic. When we look at this Pharisee here, we, we shake our heads, you know, what, what a, who is this guy, man? Who does he think he is, you know? And, but, Sometimes it's, it's not only difficult to recognize, it's not always easy to recognize in ourselves, but it's also difficult to find a remedy for it. We fall into its traps and let ourselves be tricked by pride, deceived. And if we let ourselves be tricked, well, we'll be caught, we'll, you know, can have disastrous and irremediable consequences. And uh, it can frustrate us. And again, this, this effect it has on our joy. And uh, if we all have experience of something, 
it is that selfishness and pride really tend to make us ignore God and others. We don't, we don't kind of care about others too much. That's the first sign of pride. There's that powerful passage in the way our father says, he says this, the way number 31, selfish, always looking out after yourself, you seem incapable of feeling the fraternity of Christ. In those around you, you do not see brothers, you see stepping stones. I can foresee your complete failure. And when you have fallen, you will want others to treat you with the charity that you are not willing to show towards others, towards them. And that's, that's a, of course, it's a very powerful description of what happens to the person who is egotistical or selfish. So that means that we, we have to not want to be proud. or We just don't want to grow up becoming proud. And uh, that's the only way first to begin by escaping its snare. And we never, we never lose sight of the fact at the same time that that God does indeed do miracles with generous hearts. Now think of the word generosity. If he sees a generous heart, okay, maybe there's some pride there, but with a generous heart, God can do miracles. And like he did in the wedding feast of Cana. And he transformed all this water, 180 gallons of just water. And he transformed it into just high quality wine. And and we're like that water. We're just empty sometimes. Just but he can transform it into a good tasting wine. <coughs> and so we when we look at it in our life, in our prayer, we have to look at it kinda seriously. We have to really examine it seriously because you know, if there is one thing that will send us to hell, it's not that we're not punctual or or didn't do our work well, or even that we didn't always do apostolate or didn't mortify ourselves. It'll be because of somewhere. It'll be because of pride. Pride is like the wrecking ball of our interior life. You know, when you have a wrecking ball and it swings down into a building and smashes the building, well, that building comes down. It's always impressive to see a wrecking ball. They swing it down and boom. And this building that was built there, and for some reason, it's no longer any useful. Any use? You have to take it down. But the grace of God can crush the power of that wrecking ball. But we have to find out how. And uh, that's why we we need to often make acts of humility, acts of service. Because the world we live in does not facilitate making acts of humility. We're not in the, in the best environment for humility. It's, a, it's quite, a, it's quite a, like a false world right? that we live in. The, you know, it, uh, on the one hand, it praises around us all these acts of solidarity and, and charitable acts. Uh, but on the other, 
it's a world that kind of induces us to an anesthesia about true charity and it engulfs us with messages of, you know, think of yourself, protect yourself, don't let yourself be influenced, do your thing, live as you want, follow your instincts. It's all the messages we get uh, just on our phone. I mean, just buy what you want. If you really want to enjoy something, do this for yourself. You need a break. And uh, people are very willing to retweet a phrase of support for those who are killed in countries far off and uh, people who are starving or, or what have you. But, uh, you know, maybe even for the volunteers of some humanitarian mission on some other continent. But sometimes, even though they're able to retweet those things, they're pretty slow at showing just respect to their neighbor, to they easily gossip about, uh, I don't know, their co-workers or teachers or just, they're not always patient with those who are kind of slow. They're just slow at understanding something or doing something, they're just slow. You know, school friends and the, one of them is really slow at math, you know, just, and the, the other one is not willing to help, you know. And uh, it, it can happen. We are very affected by the injustices of those who are far away. But uh, sometimes we just ignore the injustice right in front of us. So it's, it's important that we realize that we do live in a society that kind of lacks authenticity. Especially with the the whole social networking and and you know it it act it kind of lacks real coherence we're like under the narcotic spell against generosity for those next to us we can't let that narcotic weaken us we have to really develop a, a real supernatural tone in our life a real supernatural way of thinking about others about really about everything, our work and our our postulate. That's the 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 main way to foster humility and, and grow in that. It can happen that a person is is growing in pride and until one day somebody comes in their life and with their example of life basically slaps their numb conscience from thinking so much about themselves. And we have to be that person that, that awakens people out of, their, out of their lethargy, out of their pride. I read the story in a book about a journalist who, he wrote this after reading about the death of a missionary who had gone to Africa and who died of uh, Ebola or Ebola this virus that was very you know massively destructive in in Africa he said this is what this journalist said i believe he was from Spain he said i am an atheist not an agnostic an atheist in other words i am convinced that priests spend their lives 
in believing in a lie. I also believe that lies are harmful. And from here to there, I arrogantly display my materialism. But this flirtatiousness lasts until the precise, lasted until the precise moment when I found out that a missionary had given his life in Liberia to clean the infected sores of some dying Africans. At that moment, I lacked the guts to continue imparting moral lessons to others, mainly because of the overwhelming geographical argument. He was there with his lie, and I was here with my rationalism. I was here with my rationalism. <laughs> so hopefully he was overcome, you know. So, you know, of course, nobody likes to be labeled an egotist. Nobody likes being called that. Imagine if you ever said, you're an egotist. You know, <laughs> you know it's... Uh, but, you know, if we were asked quite honestly whether or not you are an egotist in spiritual direction... Obviously, the only real answer we can give, the only true response that we can say is yes. Yes. Because, well, there are many reasons. Because I did this, I thought that, I did this thing. But many reasons. But the main reason is sin. The main reason is original sin. It's embedded in each one of us. It's part of our DNA. It has a hold of us so deeply that is the root cause of egotism, arrogance, and ultimately any unhappiness that, that comes our way. We all have that inclination to do our own thing, you know, to close ourselves in a little shell of comfort, and uh, to use others, to think uh, of ourselves in the first place, to want the, the benefit you know, for ourselves first and foremost. We can't avoid it, but in other words, we are all in some ways selfish. So the problem is not so much being selfish. The problem is that we don't care if we're selfish. We don't care. <laughs> and there's a difference between, you know, that, that's the difference between being a good person and being a not a good person. The one who cares that he is selfish and, and does something and the one who doesn't care. I mean, Temperament, uh, education, upbringing—they all contribute to these things. But you know, uh, all this is—is—you is, could say it's in the reality of original sin, and and uh, we have to we have to want to struggle against this and desire really to allow ourselves be transformed by grace, so that we're we realize when we're just doing our thing, when we're doing that which is ultimately ultimately selfish, either we're going to give ourselves to ourselves or we're going to give ourselves to others. Like that famous song by Frank Sinatra, one of his signature songs that he used to sing. And uh, it's the proudest or anti-humble song I did it my way uh, that song first came out in 1969 
in his album My Way and uh, the best I mean this song I did it my way hit the top of the charts in the US and in the UK and I found out that the lyrics were actually written by Paul Anka those of you who know Paul Anka um, he had been vacationing in the south of France and he heard like a, a beautiful song but it was in French and it had nothing to do with any of that and he liked the song so he 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 got the rights to the song and he went to see Frank Sinatra and he said you know do you, do you like the song? Do you think you could sing this song? You know, Frank Sinatra was like he was involved in the mafia and stuff like that, and uh, his career was now coming to the end, right? And he said, uh, and uh, Frank Sinatra, well, whatever. It's my maybe it's my, you know, it's, I'll just do one more song at the end, you know, of my career. And and um, Paul Anka tried to imagine Frank, you know, what he would have thought after all these years of a great career, and. Um, he said, I can write the way he would sing it, and only Frank could sing it. So he wrote those famous lyrics, I've lived a life that's full, I've traveled each and every highway, but more, much more than this, I did it my way. Regrets I've had a few, but then again, too few to mention. I did what I had to do, I saw it through, without exception. I planned each charted course, each careful step along the byway, and more, much more than this, I did it my way. And it goes on to recount this, and uh, you know, that really became his signature I mean, signature uh, song, but I heard that uh, his daughter, Tina, says they never liked the song, you know. It was his most popular song, but he never liked it, you know. And it get, gets stuck in your head, and uh, he always thought that it was self-serving, that it was self-indulgent, but good, good for you, Frank Sinatra. You know, I always thought he liked this song, but, you know, you know, but he didn't like it, which is a sign that he was probably not all that selfish, not all that uh, of an egotist. Because the big problem is that when we think that we are not egotistical. And so... It's, it's good that we, maybe in our prayer, that we examine, am I an egotistical person? What are the expressions of it? What are the manifestations of it? Maybe there could be thousands of manifestations, eh? not paying attention to others, uh, just thinking about our own thing, doing things my own way, you know, uh, not really praying for others. Uh, and, you know, at least that we can come up with a, a remedy. And if we don't, it's like a scab on our soul, right, that, that weakens us. And because our dealing with God has to be truly personal. It can't be generic. It can't be just, you know, without any real, uh, you know, personal involvement of ourselves. Lord, I don't want to be that Pharisee. I want to, see, I want to say, Lord, you know, forgive me. Um, I'm not w even worthy to lift up my head like the publican. And that guy went home. Well, he pleased God and and uh, the grace of God will take the wrecking ball eh, to our pride to our selfishness to our egotism mm -hmm. and of course that grace of God will be pushed by our blessed mother she'll throw that grazing that wrecking ball in to destroy that pride or ask or, or we'll ask her mm -hmm, she help us uh, with this so that uh, we see the expressions of it the manifestations of it and without fear eh, destroy it destroy that pride mm -hmm. 
and uh, our, our mother and St. Joseph also will intercede for us to, for that to happen. I thank you, my God, for the good resolutions, affections, and inspirations that you have communicated to me in this meditation. I ask you to put them into effect. My Immaculate Mother, St. Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, intercede for me.